listening to Chugga Talk with Ryan Murphy, a podcast by Pull Across Made Simple. Hello friends, this episode is brought to you by Saucy Farm. Located in Wiggins, Mississippi, they're the premier Australian stock horse stud in North America. Proudly standing are Ballandown Zorro, Hayden Satellite, and Stonebrook Finno. Ballandown Zorro has fresh cooled semen with a live full guarantee. Hayden Satellite and Stonebrook Finno have a limited supply of frozen semen. Ballandown Zorro offspring have proven time and time again that athleticism, endurance, speed, and intelligence are just a few of the qualities his offspring possess on their way to close to 200 best playing pony awards. Zorro offspring are also exceptional in hunter jumper and eventing discipline. Hayden Satellite comes from the famous Hayden Horse Stud in Australia and is currently proving himself on the polo cross field. Satellite offspring were awarded best playing horse in international test matches in 2019 and his offspring have now started to make a name for themselves in the jumping arena. Stonebrook Finno is the premier sire in Australia for polo cross. Saucy Farm is near and dear to my heart. By purchasing our two stallions two years ago, Karen and Charles have carried on the legacy of my family and the hard work that my mother put into bringing the Australian stock horses to the United States for the sport of polo cross. All four of my horses are a result of that breeding program, and you just can't go wrong. Saucy Farm and Australian stock horses, the breed for every need. You can find them on Facebook or call 228-263-0930. Are you a polo cross related business? Chucka Talk has a truly global audience. To learn more about advertising here, email me at ryan at polocrossmadesimple.com. Space is limited. Personal fitness is so important in the sport of polo cross. Although we can't all look like Stefan Harris, we could all be working towards our own fitness goals. I've learned through personal experience that having a community of friends that share their fitness and nutrition ideas and activities truly can motivate others to follow suit. A rising tide raises all the ships in the harbor. Please join the American Polo Cross Association's fitness community today on Facebook groups. It's called American Polo Cross Fitness Group. It's hosted by the APA's Player Development Program and open to members worldwide. If you see Steph Harris, please encourage him to join for abs motivation. Again, it's a Facebook group called American Polo Cross Fitness Group. Get pumped! On this episode of Chugga Talk, You'll meet Jason Webb, an Aussie-born UK representative player and the top horse trainer and man behind your horsemanship. Here on Chugga Talk, the goal is to shrink the pole across world by connecting people together and most importantly, to provide education by interviewing players from all over the world. So listen closely and enjoy. Here's Jace. All right, boys. How you doing, mate? How we going? Oh, we're great. Get started. But the first thing I want to say, actually, I'm going to try to make Simon blush. Uh, my first question for you, Jason, is why is Simon so popular? Let me explain why. What? Uh, he is. He was the first episode I did a long time ago. He has yeah. over 900 downloads, but the average download is 370. So what is it about Simon that makes him so popular around the world? Shut the f*** up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't hear Simon's podcast, but I'm going to listen to it now. He must have said something. I think it's just because it was usually the usually creates a bit of controversy, which is always good to listen to. There was no controversy. 
Ryan was upset that I wasn't controversial at all. Oh, was he playing the nice guy, was he, Ryan? Yeah. He was the nice guy. (laughs) Are you going for a beer? Can we have a beer while we're doing this? Definitely. Of course. Hold on. Oh, I'm going to (laughs) get... I got to get one now, too. Hold on. There's going to be a pause in the... Don't worry, though, guys. I'm still here, the popular one. It's all right. More editing for Ryan. This is what it's all about. Well, when Ryan gets back, I'll be able to explain why I'm the popular one now. So so you've you've had the most hits from... um, I was just going to say, Ryan, I can explain now why I'm the most popular, because I'm a leader, and you guys are all followers. (laughs) It's 11 o'clock here, so I didn't really start drinking yet. Oh well, that's good. It's a Sunday though. It's four o'clock. Well, Super Bowl's on, isn't it, Ryan? You 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 can start getting prepped for that. Yeah, we've got some big food coming up. Isolated Super Bowl. We always stuff ourselves like good Americans. Yeah. Do you, do you all do? Does everybody watch that Super Bowl, Ryan? Oh yeah. Well, it's ha- well, the women watch it for the commercials. It's pretty popular. Yeah. So I, so people actually like watching commercials over there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> only in America is all I can say to that. Do, do you generally watch Sunday night football? <laughs> well, depends on the teams. Or do you just mainly watch the Super Bowl because it's the big thing? And... No, no, I'm a man. I watch yeah. I watch football throughout the year. You're, you're like uh, you're like Chandler and and uh, Monica on Friends, where they just. Yeah, no, just so they don't have to do anything in the house. They don't actually know what the hell's going on. They're just like, oh, yeah, I've, I've got to stay and watch this game. It's too important. They're actually sitting there just bored shitless. What's Friends? I mean, I, I don't know what you're talking oh, about. On. I've never watched that. To be fair, I've never watched um, NFL until last Super Bowl, and that was that got me in. That was that was good. Yeah, but, that, that series on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the best. All or nothings. They were brilliant. Yeah. So you're not going to bash us for wearing helmets or anything? Well, no, I you need them. In rugby. So <laughs> I think rugby is a tougher sport than NFL. You kind of you can kind of see when they're going to hit you from your peripheral. In the NFL, you're looking up at a ball. I don't know. I just yeah. think it's different. You get teed off. It is different. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is like comparing pilot cross to pilot. It's a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get into this. Uh, what have you been up to, Jason? I know uh, besides being on more podcasts than you can remember. You've had Kiki and Vermicelli going, but uh, yeah, what have you been up to? Well, today, not a lot, Ryan. It's, uh, we've had our, our snow day, our first snow day of the year. So yeah, the kids are out and about and um, I'm trying to stay inside and keep warm. Got the fire going. Um, so this is a good day to be doing this. Otherwise, generally, it's just, it's a bit like Groundhog Day over here at the moment with the whole COVID situation where just, Go down, ride a few horses, as you say, do a couple of other little bits for the business and um, yeah, get up and do it again. Would you normally be doing a bunch of arena shows and things like that at this time or traveling? Or um, Yeah, the end of the year is when I might do a few shows and stuff. Um, I did have planned, I got a, a friend of mine, Charlie Unwin, who's a sports psychologist. And I did, with, did some work with him a, a few years back. Um, we did a, a sort of a demonstration called Meeting of the Minds. Basically, it's about how horses and humans interact when you're riding and the effect of a human's mind on a horse. You know, are they in a good place, 
mentally and all that sort of thing. And so Charlie and I do a little demo and uh, make that work. And it was supposed to happen this year, but it's not going to, obviously. So we're hoping the back end of, of this year now we'll be able to do, do that. So that's, that should be fun. But I don't, I don't do a lot of shows and that sort of thing. I do a lot of teaching and stuff, clinics and things around here. But I've, I've tried to keep uh, my work in and around home because I just... I just like being around home, I suppose. Family's what it's all about and just being home. And yeah. um, I, I feel like, especially here in America, we love Australians. We love the, all these trainers. It just seems like some of them sort of sell them their souls and they end up doing all these shows and selling whips for $1,000 and things like that. So it just seems like you haven't gotten into all that. It's well, it's just it's just a different thing in America that people just love to sell and they're, you know, really positive and they want to get stuck in. Whereas in this country, it's just not like that. You know, it's it's I don't think it's ever going to be a big thing in terms of the way Americans do stuff. Yeah, but I just enjoy training the horses and and helping people out. And, and then it's trying to create a sustainable business, hence all the little bits on the side that, the online program and stuff like that. Is that what Penny does a lot of organizing like the website? <laughs> you don't think I'd, Jason I'd like to say it was me. <laughs> no, but yeah. No, over the years I've had a I've had um, someone in the office that sort of takes calls and does the admin and all that sort of thing. And recently Penny was a teacher and um, we got we got to a point where she's sort of had enough teaching and she knows me and the business so well, it made sense that she came in and runs that side of things. She's, she's doing amazing things. You know, over the last few months, we've done little things that seem to be popping up everywhere and people are enjoying. So, and that's, that's down to Penny. Yeah. yeah there's a lot of technology. There's a lot of things you can do. I, I was impressed with the video lo- uh, blogs, you know, having to put the words on them and make them look professional. That's not easy to do. So. It is. Can I tell you, I, you know, I entered into this online stuff, you know, years ago now, because I could see that everything was shifting that way. But I put this sort of this online package together and I thought, brilliant, we'll get that out there. And I mean, honestly, that was probably less than half the work. Most of the work in setting up online business is all about marketing. And it's just, you know, it's above my pay grade, really. So um, thankfully, I've, I'm the brawn and Penny's the brain. So it's sort of uh, not, not much, much brawn. Not much brawn either. <laughs> we, we get by. I've written three books. I put them online. I have a website. And I thought this podcast might get people there to buy some. And it's not that simple. So it really the- isn't. It's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a slog. And you've got to be at it all the time. Mm-hmm. We found with just, you know, with our membership stuff, as soon as we stop putting content out, you know, on a regular basis, you can see subscribers just, just dropping off. It's just like, there's a lot of work that goes into it behind the scenes. So, so yeah, you just got to keep, and you got to keep plugging away, Ryan. I want to get into, into your, your history because with my podcast, I've just been so fortunate to have significant people. And I just think of you as one of those people that you've just stayed re- relevant I wore this New South Wales jersey because I thought it might bring memories back for you. Last time you wore the jersey, it probably looked like this, right? Yeah, it did. It, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, I was just, I was having a bit of a think about my history and God, I can barely remember some of the stuff, but then some things do pop up and you think, oh yeah, I remember that. 
Yeah, exactly. Because when were you out in Oz? So my first time was 98 at Coffs Harbor. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so let's go back. I, um, first off, were you at that tournament? What zone were you in? Coffs Harbor, I, oh, no, we were, we're down at the slopes. Okay, on, south. Uh, north coast up there. Oh, north, okay. Okay, so, so okay. But it, but it was Nationals year. Oh, so okay. I don't think we played at Coffs Harbor. I can't remember now. We did go to Inverell, but I think we played a tournament on the way up to Warwick. I think that's the Nationals that was on that year. So we played a tournament on the way up to Warwick, and I think we played one on the way back as well. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, that was um, that was the second second nationals I did. I did the first nationals down at Werribee. Oh my God, that was. Uh, I was at that one, but obviously didn't know you then. Yeah, do you remember how wet it was? Si? Oh yeah, ridiculous. Never allowed back there, were they? No, it was. It was. It was the most amazing facility, but unfortunately, they had a what seemed like a year's worth of rain over that week, it, and it, the grounds were just destroyed. It resembled the World Cup over here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hate to bring that up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it was. I'll tell you what. It could have even been. It was as bad, if not worse, because you know, the, I guess the ground just wasn't used to that sort of. Yeah. Well, I, re I remember going into the final at Werribee and I look back and probably shouldn't have done it, but um, the, there was, the mud was so sticky and it was so wet that the horse was like, they looked like they had gumboots on, like weights on their legs. So going into the last chucker, we, um, we actually took the bandages off. Yeah, I remember that. So, so that the horses could, you know, could get out of the ground. And um, anyway, we played the last chucker like that, but yeah, yeah, I think you'd do that these days. Did, did the, the men play like that as well, didn't they? I think I think it did after yeah. after because I, I was in the under twenty ones at that stage, and I think uh, that that was that was a tough. It was my first nationals, and you know, I it was quite a big deal for me to get into that team. It was a really good New South team, and. Um, and I think we played against Victoria, who had um, some really good players as well. And uh, yeah, they, they beat us by one that time around. So that was a bit, a bit unfortunate. But I think, yeah, from that game on, I think there was a few horses weren't wearing bandages. Let's go back to your Aussie upbringings. Uh, tell me about your family. What were your uh, bigger influences in polo cross? My, my family have been involved in polo cross. We'll keep it sort of polo cross based, I guess you know, since I was little. So my dad plays, Doug. Uh, my sister, Sandra Webb, who's now Western, married to Will. Um, my other sister, Beck. And when my brother was younger, he played as well for a little bit. And uh, we played for a club called Tumut. Um, It was just great fun. We had a good little junior, junior team that we used to travel around and play at the zones and all that sort of thing, or the club championships. We were on a sort of 3,000, 4,000 acre cattle farm, a sheep and cattle farm. It's in the hills. So we, so we did a lot, of, a lot of our sheep work and cattle work on horses, which, you know, these days, I think a lot of it's done on, you know, just everything's got to be done so fast. But up there, it was, you know, all horses and it was just great. So I was brought up, brought up doing all that sort of thing. And polo cross was our sport. Um, doubled in a few other little things, a little bit of rodeo here and there and, you know, pony club and all that sort of thing growing up. But, you know, my passion was polo cross. 
yeah, I had a little gap from that. I went away to boarding school for a little while. So I didn't, I didn't get to, I didn't go through the representing Polo Cross when I was sort of at that age in the junior levels. It wasn't until I was in the under 21s that I started to, to represent New South and stuff. I think that what a lot of people don't realize that, that played Polo Cross is that the Aussie sport was, was built on the foundation of horses working cattle, uh, working on a property during the week, and then you go away on the weekend. It wasn't this just training for just running laps all, all week and then playing um, polo cross. So I'm sure that had a big influence on uh, your horse training abilities and the horses were just, they're already doing that work just in a way. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely, Ryan. It's so the contrast between growing up out there and then over here, particularly this time of year, you just it is so difficult to, I don't know, develop those horsemanship skills that you do out on the farm and doing all that sort of work. And it's just difficult generally to ride and have a purpose, you know, for Apollo Cross. As you say, a lot of us don't have in, in England a lot of space to go riding and do stuff so you end up lapping around fields to get your horses fit whereas you know in Australia you might be camp drafting chasing cattle you know doing all sorts it was um yeah and hence you got the stock horses that bit of versatility mm-hmm. so yeah it's funny we we bought a few cows at one point we had a we had a big horse farm a lot of dressage horses warm bloods my mom thought she bought buy some cows for my brother-in-law because he was into rodeo and I don't know. It was it was a good idea, but they weren't cattle fences. They were just regular horse fences that were falling down. So they got loose one day, but they were they had to head off to a tournament and they spent three hours and they couldn't catch these cat, you know, they couldn't catch them. <laughs> so it ended up becoming a slaughter. <laughs> My brother in law had to basically put them down. They were uh, spread all over the farm. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and an Amish man had to come out and, uh, and clean it all up. He's, he'd never seen anything like that before because they, they didn't want them to get out on the road, liability, things like that. So, yeah. yeah, it was funny. It was a big failed attempt to use cows for, for the training of horses. <laughs> Lucky you Americans own a few guns. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's yeah. Good, yeah. It's we'll a nice it. idea, right? Yeah. It takes so, a few shots of the 22. <laughs> yeah, I grew up in Pony Club too. It was, we, there's a lot of stable management over here that I don't think was originated. And I know that England doesn't necessarily have as much of it where the kids are like over here, the kids have to be isolated. The parents can't do anything. There's a lot of that. You can't, you know, sit down while you're holding your horse. There's all these horse management rules and there become some real serious <laughs> uh, parents that, organize these kids and um but i so i had to go through that it's like growing up in dressage taking those nazi dressage lessons and uh dealing with it with that it makes you better for sure jace had does dressage lessons <laughs> i i am now yeah weirdly i never thought i'd ever ever be doing that i remember when i when i was learning to ride i had um dad had a friend anita day who taught me to um she, she, she did a lot of hacking, so show hacking. So you had to sit up straight and all that sort of thing. And basically all I wanted to do was, I, when I did Pony Club, was I'd do these little show classes and then get the kid off and I wanted to go and chase a cow or play polo cross or something. Anyway, Dad said, no, you've got you to learn to sit up straight and ride properly. So I went with this Anita. And 
we were riding along. She kept saying it, and I, and I obviously wasn't doing it. So she went and grabbed a, a really dry, forky stick off a tree and shoved it up, the, up, up my back and then tucked it into the back of my jeans. And, you know, you can imagine what that feels like. And that's, that's how I had to ride with her for a little while. I'll never forget that. So, yeah, I learned, I learned to sit up straight. In fact, I'll tell you what, Ryan, I've, you know how you put the pictures on the podcast on Facebook and stuff? I've got a picture of Jace doing a dressage test in all this. You bloody well <laughs> I bloody well I have. put that on there, Ryan. No, I've, I've really get, done. That could be one of his. Could never be seen in Joddies, but. Yeah, full gear he's got on. I'll get it for yeah. you, Ryan. Yeah, I'm not, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not Sibbo. <laughs> I can't get away with it the way he can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got made fun of wearing that kind of stuff, uh, you know, being out west and playing pole cross. It's funny, these days, you know, with, um, you're talking about that dressage lesson. These days, you can't necessarily, um, you have to have a diff- different interaction because people are so litigious over here in the States. So you'd have to say, um, do you mind if I have your permission to touch you? I'm going to put a stick up. <laughs> so it's really. <laughs> I'm going to stick, put a stick up your back. I was wondering where that was going. Yeah, I don't know, Ryan. Cut that bit out of over no. here, <laughs> No, but you, you know, it's, I don't know. I think it's just different. I think that, uh, yeah. you know, you have to be sensitive over here, at least. You can't, I don't know, people just are so, so happy. But um, I, the toughest lessons I've had were um, definitely good for me. I ended up being a little too deep in the saddle uh, my first pole across was played in a dressage saddle and I was just too deep, not getting off the horse's back. Um, so I had to grow out of that, but I did have a good seat. I never fell off. So that, that was a good thing. And I had good balance in the center. You, you, you were sticky, were you? <laughs> yeah. Did you ride a few rough ones? I didn't have enough rough ones. No, it was, uh, I mean, a few bucked, bucked me off, but it was a, it was an English upbringing. It was a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just say that. Yeah, if you haven't fallen off a few times, you haven't really learned to ride. That's what my old man used to say. <laughs> you got to bite the dust a few times to really to learn to stick a bit. So let's get to your arrival to the UK in 2002. That's what I read off the website. So my question is, what brought you to the UK at first? Uh, well, it, it goes back to a couple of years before that, 99. Um, I think I went to Zimbabwe first mm-hmm. and was it, was it 99? It might've been actually, no, no, no. It was, it was 98. I think I went to Zim and I spent some time over there, just left school and I wanted to travel. I got an offer and it was just awesome. I absolutely love Zimbabwe and um, had six months over there and it was great. Came back, um, played some more polo cross and I was, I was really keen to go traveling again. And then weirdly, Ryan, I don't know many people know this, but I was going, I was, I was set up to go to the US to start with. Do you remember a guy called, was it Amos Underwood? Or yeah. Something? Yep. Amos Underwood. Yeah. yeah. In yeah, Colorado. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was all teed up to go stay with him. I, something happened, I think personally with him and that sort of fell through, but I was, and, but I was desperate to go somewhere and it just so happened that year the nationals was on and there was a touring UK team come over and I thought oh god here's here's an opportunity to travel again and it was a mixed UK team and I looked and I thought 
this, this looks actually all right, just quietly. <laughs> <laughs> and um, anyway, I sort of sniffing about there, asking a few questions and all this sort of thing. And all the reports were, you know, at the time, Polycross is probably second to the social. And I thought, well, I'm just, I'm at the right age for that sort of stuff. So, I, so it all sounded good, a few pretty girls and, um, and a bit of a social and some Polycross, awesome. And there was a club, Kent, where I'm now based, that were looking for a coach. So I sort of I honed in on them and thankfully <laughs> the, the girl I was sort of had, had, my, had my closest eye on was Penny. And um, yeah, I ended up sort of over here in Kent and I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> so That's amazing, yeah. And I've been here, I just, I did some sums the other day. I am literally a half-bred pom. So I'm, I've spent as much time in it I've, I've spent as much time in England as I have in Australia. Ah, oh, well, leave it. If you're listening, America. If you're listening to him in, in America, then you need to blame Amos Underwood. <laughs> we had some. We had some. Uh, we definitely have pretty women as well. But you know, that's just the way it went. Yeah. So we're, we'll take it. But uh, no, you've been such a <laughs> big influence there in the UK. So that's cool. When you got there, it seems like when I was there, um, well, I was '96, uh, but then. Back in 2001, it, it seemed like there was a lot of international play going on uh, back then. And uh, so were you one of the first international or were there no. already a bunch of internationals there? No, well, Cy could probably go through the history of that. No, I was I was a fair way down the line. Who was before? There were some really good players oh, come before me, Cy. Who were they? Well, Charles. Yeah, Charles. <laughs> Um, there's James Ackland and Keith and there was loads of guys there was Obviously, a lot of South Africans over come here. There was, and there was guys from New Zealand and loads of oh, I can't even think how many people there was just endless people no it was, it was real, yeah. I, I don't know it was a real thing back there it was um, I don't know England was a really popular destination to come and travel and I think it was just because you know it was it was a it was a fun place to come right and the and the and the polo cross was it was was on the up and especially it did make such a big difference having those international players here, it really did. And I mean, yeah, I look at since I've been here, I did a little bit of a tally before this before the podcast, and I sort of there's been over we ourselves, Penny and I have hosted over 20, 20 internationals, most mostly from Australia. And we've uh, two two um, international teams, Australia and South Africa, have stayed on our place and played test matches down here. So yeah, and I, I think it's really important, particularly to England, to try and keep that going. Um, last few years, I I don't think we've had that sort of international influence, and I think it's it's telling. We've had a had a few over. Trav's been over and. Um, but the numbers aren't quite there, and it, it makes a difference to us as a as a country to sort of bring that yeah. level. Of if you look back to when when you sort of first got there, there was like, yeah, Shay Williams and Jamie Morris, Andy Haynes was still there, you, you know, Andy Greg Haynes. Sarge was there, um, Justy and um, yeah, Robbo, yeah, Burbage. Robbo. Yeah. yeah, that was a lot of people playing in those. Yeah, we had the Van Vake boys. I mean, you know, you know, there's been so many come over 
it's been it's it's great it just i think it makes polycross in this country and, yeah. and it's, it's it is funny though that back when i first came over here um there was there was a few big characters around <laughs> um i don't know whether you guys remember ryan whether you remember rick do you oh Which yeah was? that was simon simon was his little shadow I mean, yeah, big shadow. Yeah, yeah he, was. They, he was hot shit with with Rick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that 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 was that was exactly it. Well, it, it's funny, Rick and I. We didn't we didn't always see eye to eye, and um, but I look back on those years, and it it was tough with Rick. We we'd sort of bounce off one another a bit here and there. We, I think he uh, nearly he nearly <laughs> we nearly come to blows a couple of times, but. You know, funny enough, I saw him at the World Cup just recently and we had a bit of a beer and a bit of a yarn and laugh about the old times. But in a weird sort of way, although at the time I was thinking, I wish he'd bugger off somewhere else. But but in a weird sort of way, I, I miss that rivalry and I miss having, you know, a character like Rick or, you know, someone with that really competitive sort of want to win and that sort of thing in the country. I mean, we, we do have that over here, but it was... It was proper back in the day. Yeah, not quite to that level. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Who? What were the UK rivalries back then? I mean, it, I know that uh, it seemed like, and this is my <coughs> small knowledge base, but it seemed like there were a lot of players, random players from clubs that had left and gone and played with the Highlanders, or was that later yeah. on? Yeah. Okay. Well, that was really Rick sort of started the Highlanders. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So those he were a lot of the. He pulled a lot of the. the you know, and he he did really well. He pulled a lot of the, the top UK players, and he he'd probably have an, another foreigner with him, but he pulled a, a good team of young UK players together, the Robertson boys and and, um, and a few okay. others. None of them really play anymore, which is a shame, you know. But um, yeah, he made some good teams over the years. And there was us. I had Andy Haynes with me. He was, he he's a proper competitor. That guy. I really enjoyed playing with Andy, and um, we did well when he was over here. And of course, Arden always had that sort of Zimbabwe influence with Sarge and Jason. Even even Pennine had you know Keith Mason there for a while, and they were yeah. pretty good team. They got Pennine had um, Greg Greg Loin there for a while. Yeah. They, you know, they had some. Well, I mean, it's, it's obvious why Arden was so good. They had the chicken shed. They had, uh, yeah. you know, they had some fun people there as well. And uh, I remember those days. I did, I did a few of those sessions. People, um, people, might not, people might not know what the chicken shed is, Ryan. So well, it's, 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 yeah. yeah. Explain, it's this, yeah. Yeah, it's this party barn, basically. And, uh, you know, Arden, Arden, and this is this is fact. Didn't didn't win the big competitions very often, but um, they were the best fun. Oh, you know, they used to always hold hold the great parties, and you know, they were just always on it. And I remember the first year I came over there, got to this place, and this little room, like the, like you call it, the little chicken shed, was just heaving. And I just, you know, this is bollock. You know, I'm used to out in Australia. We got a few old boys at the bar, just, you know pouring back the guineas or whatever. This was like a proper rave. Anyway, I think I overdid it. And I remember someone sort of found me out in the bushes 
I think I'd well, gone that was out. Nice, nice. That was nice. <laughs> I think I'd gone out for a pee and and I couldn't, I must have been able to get it out. So I pulled my pants down and then because I'd done that, I'd fallen over and that, that's where somebody found me. Wasn't that Regan Gloin that found you? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but it was, yeah. So, yeah, that just gives you a bit of a backdrop to the chicken shed. Well, and I remember sitting on a table just outside the chicken shed and I was learning how to light Cointreau in my mouth and shoot flames uh, <laughs> at, oh, a young, at a young age. age. Were you were you even twenty one then? No, no, no. But uh, so it, yeah, it was a ton of fun. I do remember that. Um, I remember Simon taught me uh, in the camp. Taught me donkey, and I've used that so many times since. It's been such one of my best teaching tools, actually. Well, yeah. what, what did you what did you get when you went over to 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 play polo cross over in England? I learned a game called donkey <laughs> from Simon. Yeah, but you know, Jace, Ryan was meant to come back and play, but he, he got deported. Yeah, I didn't have the right. Okay, so I was supposed to, I believe, stay. Um, well, Lizzie uh, helped, well, the, the Shearings, Lizzie, they helped organize this trip. This is before they were married. I, I was going to come play the summer while I was in college, but I didn't, the website said <laughs> that I didn't need working papers because I was doing an internship. Well, I misread that. I get there. They said, you need a work permit. You're here. Um, and I'll, so they let me stay a few days and send me home. So that would have changed it, probably changed the trajectory of my life. I'd be a, a palm right now. And <laughs> I would have never left. <laughs> I know. It, it, is, it is funny how things, things turn around. I, I, I have to say, I sat in a little room at, at Heathrow for five hours after a, after a I think it was about a 30 hour flight, the cheapest flight I could get. I'd already been over to England. I'd been toing and froing for a couple of years after I'd sort of met Penny and I was, you know, on the, on the chase. And um, yeah, they said, you've been over here too many times. We need to talk about this. And I was like, <laughs> I, I, I swear I was, I was borderline ready to cry if they were gonna put me back on that plane. <laughs> Just because I couldn't get it, I was just, it was, I was beside myself. Anyway, I managed to get away with it and, yeah. You always do. <clears throat> <laughs> that's, Simon, that's Simon's gripe when I play. Every time we play one another, if I have a, if I have a little sort of, if I say something to an umpire and they, they give me a call or whatever, he's like, yeah, you always listen to him. You never listen. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he thinks I get away with it all the time. I don't think. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> Well, you're playing now, the game, now you're a high profile guy. And so if, if you had any issues outstanding, you would have been caught by now. Uh, you kept your name and all that. Yeah. What I'm sure made you a great player in Australia was the competition. I, I, I can't even imagine over here having that level of competition week in and week out. Uh, the number of tournaments that you're able to play. And, um, and then you came over and you had competition in the UK. And that's really, that's, that's a good thing. But yeah, that's, that isn't happening here in the States right now. We're having to travel internationally. We're not bringing in international players. We're trying to fix that a little bit with a high goal tournament. But yeah, so... How's that going? Is that going to happen? Well, we have, we're, we have a really good host in mind. We just have to finalize that plan and then we'll work it from there. Cool. So, yeah. It's, it's interesting, Ryan. We've been I, last... Well, just before... Um, 
the whole COVID thing happened, we were going to set up, run a tournament over here. It wasn't going to be a high goal, but I, I just don't think it's possible to, for us over here to run a high goal, just a number of horses and all that sort of thing. But I wanted to invite, um, you know, top players that were in the UK at the time and just start from there, get some corporate sort of, you know, local corporates in on the sideline watching. And then I, was, I had visions of over a few years building that up to, to be something like a high goal. I mean, I think, you know, Australia are now doing them and what South Africa and Zim have done is just amazing. But I think it does depend on the country as to what sponsorships and stuff yeah. you can get. I mean, I don't know what it's like in America, but it's... Uh, yeah, I think it is all down to the sponsorship, isn't it, really? You know, what the sponsorship South Africa and, well, Zim used to be able to get it's just unbelievable, you know, but we're such a small entity, I suppose. It's the well, it's a small entity in a in a big pool over yeah. here. Yeah. I mean, you think of all the sports and you know, it's just, you know, it's just knowing the right people, I guess. And in places like Af you know, South Africa and and in Australia where it's much more high profile sport, more so than anywhere else in the world, but in in, in Africa in particular, you know, they they seem to know a lot of the right people, those guys, so they can get them in. And that's, that is what it comes down to, but it's, it is great for the game. So, you know, I hope, I hope it works out for you, Ryan. It'll be, it'll be a good thing for the sport. Yeah. We're looking at the Dallas, uh, the Dallas area, which it's used to uh, going out and watching polo. Um, it, polo isn't as big as it used to be. I don't know if you ever remember that show, ja uh, Dallas. Um, yeah. We actually played a tournament. Jason, I've been to Dallas. That's right. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't mean to forget that part, but uh, yeah, so that's the marker we're looking at and um, hopefully we can get some sponsors going and build off of that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. We've got to lock it down. Yeah. Let me ask about the high goals. How do you, I know you've played in a few, uh, how do you compare those to a world cup? It almost seems like it's tougher competition. But... I, I, I would, I would say it probably is. I mean, I, the first high goal I played at was, I don't know, it must have been the second one in Zim or something. And I was playing with the likes of, I mean, I was the best players, you know, that, that I'd seen before. And I ended up playing with Charles, um, Charles Duplessis, who was at the time, or probably not then, I think he, I think he might have injured his eye then, or I can't remember whether he was on four, but he was in his day the best, best player in the world, as far as I could make out with, in terms of, stick skills and that sort of thing and I think he was a very influential player with um with regard to the boys that have come through now Yanni and and the likes the way they play is I think he had a bit of an influence over them but I just remember um standing up before before I played and I think we were playing in the afternoon there was two games or something in the morning standing up on the balcony watching down this this little pitch in in Harare and you watch the game and you think, geez, that is so fast. And I think I don't, I don't play that fast. I don't, you know, it was just like it was sort of an outer, outer world experience watching the, the level that was going on. And of course, when you're in it, you are going at that speed and doing that sort of thing. But I just remember looking at how intense it was and and um, the caliber of player there. And it's it's, you know, I went out to um, the South African Open in 2018 was it something 17 
And anyway, it's it's still the same. They are. It's an amazing competition. They've done a great job to get international players in there, and it is next next level polo cross. And I I would say to anyone that's that's able to to travel and watch one of these, if you're a big polo cross fan, it is something else to see. Yeah. Yeah. To make one. I mean, to be invited is a big deal. I mean, it's not just because you know somebody. You have to be a top player. They're not going to just invite anybody. So that's quite a compliment that you were invited over there and you played and you were competitive. You were very good over there. It just seems like, um, yeah, just phenomenal um, how they've done it. You know, they, they had the World Cup in 2015 and every year they've had a big competition since. Yeah. At Shanguini. So that's exciting where we're going to be at in 2023 with the World Cup. And, and, and I'll tell you just about those, those high goals. The other thing I remember seeing over there, I, I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, not just tactically um, in terms of the level of polo cross and, and the way the way the sport's played. But I remember walking around the back after after a game and I, I think it might have been Bruce's team. Matter of fact, I'm sure it was Bruce's team. <laughs> we walked around the back of their and, and where their horses were stabled and they were all on drips. So, and, it, and you know, I just think it's... And it, to, to Bruce's credit, we all looked and thought, that's not fair. How come our horses aren't getting it? And that sort of thing. You know, they were rehydrating their horses. They were just taking the care to the next right. level. And, um, you know, and, and things like that, those sort of, um, sort of advances, I'm not, I, that was quite a, quite a leap forward, I would have said. But, um, you know, some of those advances in welfare and mm. tactics and all that sort of thing, they're going to come out of the open. Yeah, that was definitely something we saw, you know, again from South Africa in 2011 when they were looking after the horses at the World Cup here. You know, we were like, my, my God, the care and attention is just second to none. Yeah. You know, yeah. Never really experienced anything like it. Yeah. No, well, they were, they were good. And that, that's changed since the 2003 World Cup. There was a lot of challenges with the Africans and being able to keep their horses, have them by the end, by the last game. They made yeah. huge advances. And Bruce said that he's got some things up his sleeve. He wouldn't tell us on the podcast. So who knows what's, what he's got next. He's probably cloning, probably cloning or something. Yeah, no, well, it's, it's all good, but um, yeah, Polo, Polo Cross over the last decade, I guess, maybe, maybe less has, mm. has really made some big leaps forward. You know, that top players now, I think are, are bordering on semi-professional when you, you know, we, we talk a lot. We're, we're good mates with the likes of Trav over here and, you know, and all the, all the Aussie boys I know all quite well. And, you know, they're, they're able to put some serious time into it and they're all, you know, hardworking, whatever, but they do put some time and they're able to. They've got the space, they've got the horses. And, you know, so, you know, I don't know how it is for you guys over there. You, you know, you guys are so spread out. I suppose it makes it really difficult for you. And over here, we just literally, the 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 environment is difficult. We can't keep huge numbers of horses, and the ground is tricky to manage. And it's, you know, so that's that's our challenge to try and, you know, compete with these bigger countries that have that sort of access to those sort of resources. Yeah. And so my, my vision is, uh, I don't know if you've ever, 
don't know if you've ever been to the World Polo Tour website, but it's basically the high goals around the world. They have the schedule on this website and they actually rank players. They give them points throughout the year as they're playing in these tournaments. So I figure if we can put one together and raise that level every time, it's going to be easy to get top players over here for paying for them. And then, you know, if New Zealand keeps it up in South Africa, um, Australia has been doing, I don't know if it's exactly a high goal where they bring in international players, but um, they're doing these big tournaments. So you could have a, you could have a semi-professional, like you said. Um, I don't know if you get paid a lot of money, but you could, uh, you can go for free at least and travel the world. I think, I think that's, if I'm going to say, you know, that is what Polo Cross has done for me. It's, it's taken me around the world and that, you can't put a price on that, you know, the experiences and stuff you have. So, I mean, if you can, if you're good enough to be accepted into one of these tournaments and you're able to try and you, you know, you don't have to be, you know, brilliant to be able to travel in polo cross. I mean, you know, I started out just as a, just as a coach, you know, just wanting to travel, but if you're good enough to get into those sort of teams, then what an opportunity. And, you know, I think, you know, if you're a young up and coming player, you want to jump on that. Yeah, well, let's go to World Cups. What, what were some of your most proud moments representing the UK at the World Cups? Ooh, proud moments. Mm. Um, was, was, it, was it Simon running after that horse that got loose? <laughs> I, I had, Jason, yeah, you were at the, that's the first time I'd seen, I knew Jace in Australia. You, you'd been over here a couple of years when I broke my leg. Oh, but yeah. I met your dad and he, he, you remember that when I met your dad, he's like, you'll see Chooks. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that story? I was so intimidated. I didn't know what to say. Ryan, you don't know my, my dad, but he's, he can be quite cryptic when you have a chat to him, but he's got a really good dry sense of humor. <laughs> but you can imagine Cy, you know, we'd, we'd sort of, we'd got mates over here and saw him out in Australia. And uh, I said, Cy, this is, this is my old man, Doug. And dad, dad just looked him up and down and said, well, you must eat some chooks. So I looked at me and said, what the hell is he talking about? So I deciphered, basically, in dad's eyes, chooks have got a lot of steroids in them to, to, to make them, you know, to make the meat. And he reckoned Simon was a big, that, that was his way of saying, Simon, must, you're, a, you're a big, you're a big guy. Must the steroids. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, so proud moments at World Cups. My, my, the first World Cup was... 2011, and that was with you, Sai. You, yeah. that was over here. I think just getting in the team. I mean, I'd been I'd been angling to try and get in a World Cup team for for since 2007, but there was sort of I, I didn't have the clearance because of citizenship and passports and all this sort of thing. But um, so getting in the team was a was a was a good thing. And then I think in that tournament. I remember running South Africa really close mm. and we, we had a chance to, to sort of even, we probably should have won the game, but there was a, there was a call, call at the end of that, at the end of our chucka where um, we got a free a penalty at the, 20, at the 30 yard line. And um, I, it was muddy. So I said to Danny, throw it back in field. Danny was playing my one at the time. So he threw it back to me in field and then I was going to pass it straight to him. But of course you couldn't throw the ball back. Well, they'd only changed that rule like a couple of nights before and we didn't know. 
yeah. Uh, so anyway, it was just one of those things that I just we just got so close, and you know they they were the they were the sort of the informed team for for that World Cup and went on to win it. And um, so that was that was quite a proud moment running those guys close. Um, 2015, I I um, I played and coached that. So that was, I think, just doing that job was was a fair fair. I'm pretty proud of being able to do that. I did make sure I had some support around me to make that happen, but it was a it's not something I would do again because. I was just spread a little bit too thin and and all that sort of thing but but yeah that was a that was a, a, a yeah it was a good thing I, I enjoyed doing it and I I would look to coach again at some point but we'll, we'll see how we go and the last world cup well it was it was it was just great yeah, I ended up with a few few prizes few horse prizes for the old man that that really did that was probably one of my big moments. I ended up riding my dad's horses. Oh, damn. In the last one. And, you know, completely random. And I'd, I'd rid, ridden them as much as the next guy. I didn't know these horses at all. But, yeah, I ended up riding dad's horse and got him a couple of little checks and got a couple of, got a couple of player prizes as well. So I, I couldn't, have been, couldn't have been more happy with that. How many uh, was that because of uh, Will? And I mean, why were those horses? Uh, uh, I think Will and Sand would have had a fair bit to do with it, but they're dad's horses. Mm. But um, yeah, Will and Sand would have got them up and fit and going, and you know. So yeah, testament to those guys. I mean, they are that that the westerns are proper grafters. You <laughs> you want to know what a day's work is? You go and follow my sister or Will around. You'll soon know about it. <laughs> Yeah, was it Jane that called uh, Will a machine? You just say, go do this, do this, run into these players, and then do this, and he'll do it. He's just... Uh, uh, he's, uh, yeah, Will's, I've, I've got the utmost respect for Will. He's a man of few words. You listen when he says something, but um, <laughs> doesn't say a lot, but he's a proper competitor, and, you know, I, I admire that a lot. Yeah, I'd ask about hosting the World Cup, but, uh, I mean... <laughs> I know Penny had a huge part in that. She was, I mean, how, yeah. So tell me about hosting the World Cup in 2011. That was a big undertaking. Obviously, the grounds didn't, <laughs> didn't, what weren't well, good that, to you. But. That, yeah, that, that was a, uh, well, there's a big backstory there. Basically, the organization in the end, because where, where the, where the competition was actually held, wasn't where it was originally supposed to be held. So about six months before this this massive competition, there was a panic on because the other the other venue fell through. Mm. So um, I think Quinton Quinton Cornforth had a fair bit to do with it financially to to bail us out and, and actually get the event up and running. So he did well, and then it was sort of finding horses and Penny had a had a lot to do with that, and I'm. Um, I mean, I'm trying to play, and Penny's running around like a blue ass fly, trying to <laughs> trying to um, sort that. And we had we had little kids at the time. We had Jack and Rosie, only small then, so it was a whoa, it was a huge deal. And and um, but and I know there was a lot of complaints about about that World Cup, but it was in terms of um, you know the weather there, and there was some you know I just oh. 
Yeah, it, there was there was lots going. I've got Penny over here, sort of yeah. singing up. It still had the best party though. <laughs> it was a good party, you know. It, there, there was things that weren't quite right with that, but but we're to still get, the only it, small, get it done was a big we're, deal. We're still the only small part of Cross Nation to have at least had a go though. So yeah, it, it's it was it was tough for us because really, I I even said to them at the start, and they were talking about hosting another one not so long ago and I said we just don't have the resources we're just the membership isn't quite big enough and we don't have that pool of horses to run an event like that you know to the standard that that Australia and South Africa are now running it at it's it's just you know it's just not going to really work um so you know perhaps the IPC or you know I think the international community might be able to sort of come up to try and get some of these other smaller countries up to speed and and hosting these things because I think there's a there would be easily a four year hangover after an after an event like that. I mean, it's they'd be they'd sap a lot of um, a lot of finances and a lot of you know will willpower. Well, you know, ultimately, uh, what I'll say is that World Cup had some great horses and it was great competition. There's no excuse for any country to say that they were shorted in any way. And that's really what it's about. So everyone was on a level playing field and there was some, there was a hell of, hell of a lot of great pull across going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I'd, I'd be, you know, I'm, I'm proud to have been a part of it. You know, like Simon says, it's a, it was a big deal for us to host and we got away with it. And like you say, at the end of the day, the polo cross was was there and was played and was good. Well, let's get into training tips. Uh, I'm sure you like you, you talk about horses. Uh, you only get to do it so often. So <laughs> I'm curious about training polo cross horses compared to other horses. But let's start off with. Uh, well, yeah. So tell me. Well, let's start off with what what does every horse need, regardless of the sport? And then we'll get into polo cross training. What does every horse need? Yeah, yeah as what? far as buttons and things like that oh well it's the the old saying you need forwards backwards left and right don't you <laughs> <laughs> you got those things it just depends how good you can get them yeah. now uh, you know for for polo cross i don't know I, I remember i did a so one of my biggest influences in in sort of becoming a trainer i mean my i mean i've been with horses all my life and i my, my old man started me out with the horses and, and gave me a really great grounding, but I never had aspirations to be a trainer. But I never forget watching um, Daryl Smith. Those of you a bit younger might not know him, but... Well, R Rory Galanders doesn't, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, anyway, he was, he was one of the Australia's great players back in the day. Lefty, yeah, just like me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Le left-handed player. But this guy... This guy had horses you, you could not believe. And I was I remember sitting on the sideline watching a, a, a the zone champs watching a final. And the first line out, the ball went in and went out the back. And this guy, Daryl Smith, who I didn't really know that well at the time, went out the back, picked the ball up absolutely flat out on this mare called Miracle. He galloped flat stick to the line, nobody anywhere near him. Not everybody was still coming out of the lineup. He was 10 lengths ahead of everyone. And he galloped down to the line and just sat that mare at the line and just stopped there and waited, waited for his number one to catch him up. And then he just passed, passed the number one of the ball. And this mare was so light on, his, on her feet. And I just thought, 
I mean, the control was just unbelievable. And at that time I thought, and I wanted to play at a, at a top level. And I thought, I've got to learn to get a horse going like that. Mm. And that was, uh, that was the point I thought, right, I've got to learn how these, how horses actually work. I've got to try and sort of work out, you know, what makes them tick and, you know, what buttons to put on them. So that was, that was a moment, I think, when I look back, that probably take, took me down the path that I've gone. So, um, so yeah, and, and back to your question, I suppose, what does every horse need? Yeah, for, for polo cross, I say to, I've got a young guy, Hamish, that, that he's gone out on his own now, but he worked for me for a little while, polo cross player. And, and I told him what I like. And um, I'll tell anyone that wants to listen, but if I get on a horse and I go for a canter, there has to be a balance in that canter. Uh, that for me is a big deal. And I can, you can see it in a field, a horse that's got a, that can just, that travels smooth. And for me, that is key. And another thing that I, I remember this guy, because I ended up, once I saw Daryl play and I, I made it a point to sort of see him and find out about him. And I, I ended up, spending a night with him and I bumped into him with um with uh yeah in a in, in a in a sort of training sort of way when I say spending a night uh oh, see Penny pointed that out yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about yeah and I, I, and I never forget Daryl saying uh, again he didn't say much he didn't give anything away Daryl was like oh that you know I just well, I was like a sponge I just wanted to know and you had to work it out with him and he said he said, uh, yeah, good, good horses aren't made. I said, right. He said, yeah, they're born. And I, I thought, I said, and that's, and he just walked off and did, did whatever he was doing and had, had about 10 horses lined up ready to ride. And, and then, you know, I realized he had this big breeding operation. You know, he's probably breeding 20, 20 horses. And uh, that, that's it. They were bred to play the game. And these horses, you... You, you had to be a trainer, but, you know, these horses would come through most programs and be good horses. You know, they, would, they just born, born to do it. And I think that is a, whatever discipline you're in, you know, the horse's natural ability just makes life so much easier. When you're watching pull across now, you know, realizing that not, not everyone's on that top horse flesh or the, the top bloodlines, uh, what, what is missing from these horses uh, maybe, maybe, maybe besides just being rushed, but what, what's missing from these horses? Well, I, t I tell you what some people are missing. Um, for me, I think everyone needs to ride a good horse. There's some people that are, you know, they're riding their horse and they love their horse to bits. It does a bit of a, you know, it does a, does a good job at, at whatever level they're playing. But until you've got on that horse, that is, you know, you just feel like I'm just, I'm looking that way. Now I'm going that way. You know, if you get on a good horse, it's like that. You feel like you can just, you can do what you want to do. There's no fight. It's just, I want to be there. And I need a little bit more, a little bit less. And until you've ridden a horse like that, you don't truly understand the value of it, I think. And, you know, I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, the stick skills and they're all going to that sort of, you know, that sort of level. But I still maintain if you have, you know, top top horses and it's why girls can compete against boys i mean i've got pikey over here i'm chasing around all the time on the polycross field penny again's pointing something out <laughs> you know she's on a great horse over here she's on probably one of the best horses in the country and she's 
she's probably hard to play against. And it just it, it levels the playing field. So whether you're a really good ball player, if you don't have that horse flesh and you, you can't really compete. And that's why I say, if you get an opportunity to ride a good horse, get on it, feel it, and then sit back and have a look at that horse. And you'll, you'll soon realize, okay, I need a horse that's like that. What's the breeding like? What does it look like? I mean, looks, looks get quite difficult sometimes. I've got this old gelding banjo where he looks like a family horse. You know, he's got a big long back on him and stuff. He's a fin, he's, he's, he's um, a finno horse. So he's bred by Berrigoon. But this horse is, you know, he, he can just go where you want him to go. He's such a nice old horse. But I wouldn't have picked him out of a paddock, if you know what I mean. But yeah. I think, I think that's, the, that's what I would say about, about horses. And I think if people know what good horses are like, they, they're going to start looking for them and, and bring better horses into the game. The horse I think of is Pluck. I, we, I spoke to Jane Marriott on the podcast uh, recently. And I, I stick and balled on that horse, and that horse was just chasing the ball. It was it was the coolest thing ever, uh, the best horse I've ever ridden. Um, but there are different training styles because you think about the Western style, where um, their heads a little bit more down to the ground. Hey, uh oh, got zoom, got zoom bombed. <laughs> I'd be disappointed if you didn't, Liz. Hey, Benny. Um, yeah, we need to have girl talk after this. <laughs> girl talk. <laughs> yeah, so let's line something up. The ladies. She's of, going to get me another beer. She's going to get me a beer. So the ladies of the of the two thousands, the top ladies that ever played UK polo cross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah you can have Lizzie and Penn on another one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, talk. We'll correct everything you said, Simon. So, and, and let me just try to describe what I'm talking about with the different training styles, because you think about the Western style, uh, their head's a little bit lower. When they stop, they slide stop the heads down, and then they bring themselves up, and then they do whatever. Um, compared to what I, when I picture a top polo-cross horse, um, there's that impulsion all the time. So they're moving, you check, but they still have that, that hind quarters uh, still working, and then you kind of jump here, and they're very catty. So... I don't, you know, how do you, how do you train? How do you teach something like that? I mean, keep a soft mouth and I mean, are you just chasing the ball and there, that's just something they naturally do? Or is there something that you're doing that compares well, to? Yeah. For, for, for me, and you know, like I say, everyone's got their own take on training polo cross horses, but I think the one thing that, that in whatever discipline you do, you'll be running patterns so, you know, Western, they run patterns, dressage, they run patterns, jumping, whatever. And polo cross is no different. Um, the way we want our horse to do it and in, in the environment we do it is what needs replicating. So, you know, I would be, once a horse has got its, the, the, the basics, forwards, backwards, left and right, and, you, you know, you've got some handle, then you start teaching them polo cross patterns. So, you know, you think of the real basics, it's a, you know, you go run down to the area, figure of eight, throw a goal. It doesn't take long for a horse to work that out. And then they, they start to know that pattern. You'll start to get lead changes. You know, some people can, can overcomplicate things. And I think sometimes when you try and get too technical, um, 
you know, I, I've done it myself. I just want this a little bit like this. It wouldn't it be nice if my horse went with a nice headset as well. And, you know, doing that just in, in a game that so it is as high intensity as polo cross is, is not really any room for that. Teach them patterns, you know, work with another horse, teach them to, to roll inside another horse and, you know, the line outs where it's all at, you know, just start to get them to roll out. It doesn't have to be quick to start with. You just start to teach patterns and speed it up. I think if you think of, I think if you think of all the top training people, the Barragoon, I mean, what, if you, if you spoke to those guys, Jimmy and Luce and Dave O and all those guys down there, they'd be, um, they'd be out on the field, you know, stick and balling, you know, running, running patterns and playing Daryl. He had a pitch down on the ground. They go out and they just play up and down that field and they'd have certain, certain ways of doing it, you know, patterns that they'd always want to put a check in and then go this way. And, you know, and if the horses are, are bred to do it, they will do it. Yeah. So I, I guess something that I'm hearing is um, when you're training a polo cross horse, stay the hell out of their way. And uh, I think what a lot of people end up doing is they, they end up bidding them up and they do all these artificial things when a horse needs its head, it needs it for balance. Um, it's hard to watch. You know, I, I went into polo for a couple of years and um, I probably get flack for this, but the, the draw reins and all the leverage and all these things is unnatural. And I know under the right hands, it's fine. But for the, the most of the riders out there with tough hands and they're not as advanced in, in their horsemanship, um, it goes the wrong way. So people just end up bidding their horses up more and more. And some of the best horses I've ever played were just going, doing what they naturally did at a high, at a high rate of speed. And you just had to sort of hold on and stay out of their way. So that's kind of what I'm hearing from you. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair, I mean, polo is a different sport. I don't know. I mean, it's polo is a much faster sport than polo cross. So the gear they use, you know, I, I couldn't say whether it's, necessary or not I think it's you know again if it's in the right hands it'll, it will be fine but I think with with polo cross the key to staying you know out of the way of your horse as you say I mean sometimes you know horses need a bit of help and you've got to take their nose and say we're going this way sunshine come on <laughs> you know that's got to be done from time to time um, but it's it's if you watch all the good players and 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 people that can get horses to operate, there's a certain level of balance to their riding. You know, if you're, and one of the biggest problems that I find in terms of, you know, causing problems with polocross horses is overriding. So you get people that are just, you know, either a little bit late on their sort of, on their gameplay. So they're sort of a bit behind, so they're rushing or they're a bit too enthusiastic and they override well, you override a horse, you, you don't give it time to cruise and therefore there's no space. So you're riding flat out, you know, legs everywhere one minute. Next thing you know, you're, you're on the bridle saying we've got to stop now and we should have stopped back there. But so, so I think that's the big thing. But if you, can, if you can sit and stay balanced on a horse, it's a big deal. I mean, I, I, I'm looking at you, Si, and I, I've got to hand it to Si. He's, I've got a lot of time for Si as, as a horseman, an Apollo cross player because he's a big guy and um, and he's had to learn to to you know feel the horse underneath him and you know there's some things I can't do that 
you know, me as a sort of a stick man, I suppose, I, I get off the saddle as far as I can sometimes trying to get a ball, but, you know, balance is the key. If you can get on your horse and get them there and it's, it's and again, I say to anyone that's, that wants to get to the top, look at the top players. You know, I used to watch top players riding and think, you know, he's riding like that. And I sort of almost used to try and, you know, see if I could sit up and find out about it. It's a, it, it is, it is funny. You know, I remember watching like um, Trav and Graham and, you know, other, other players, Yanni, they very rarely kick in and carrying on. Their horse is just moving. You know, you hardly see them. It's, you don't really see them pull a whip. If you do see them pull a whip, it's properly pulled. But, you know, I, it's one thing I remember what, you know, one thing I watched them, they they very rarely, you, you know, they don't look like they're really trying to get that horse going. They're just letting it flow, letting it move. And, you know, the more you kick, the less it actually moves. It's, you know, it's one thing I really, you know, enjoyed watching about the way that those guys go. Yeah, you know, Jimmy, you know, Will, you know, the Aussies, that they, you know, they, they push when they've got to, but there's those moments of they're just, you know, they're just out of the way of the horse, as you say, Ryan. Yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of horses, polo cross horses that are anticipating, you know, you being in their mouth and things like that when it should start with the body. So I'm sure, I'm sure you watching as a, Professor, you know, professional horsemen. I'm sure there's things that bother you. So I know I'm not perfect. That's for sure. And any any anyone that thinks they are, they're they're, they're probably not yeah. in the real world. So you know, and to be honest, I'm what I do professionally is very different to training a, a polycross horse. You know, I'm I'm at the the early stages of a horse career is where where my yeah. sort of time is spent. Yeah, I just have um, one more question for you. I just wanted to ask about bloodlines. And so if you wouldn't mind just going through your history with bloodlines and what you prefer, starting back to in Australia, uh, but what you're breeding now and where you see the bloodlines going. Well, I started weirdly, well, not weirdly. I've told you the story about seeing this man miracle. And that, that started me chasing that that breed for a little stock horse called Starblack Minstrel and, and just some sort of mixed with some reality lines. So, and then I knew you needed to infuse some thoroughbred with those, those smart horses. My dad was always big on thoroughbreds and he's had a lot of success. He, you know, I've been really lucky because dad's always, always had a, had a good horse for Sandra and I and, and Beck to be able to get on and play. And most of them were thoroughbreds or had some thoroughbred in them. So, um, so I started along those classic lines, uh, classic stock horse lines, and then tried to infuse that, thorough, that thoroughbred. And I've sort of stuck with that sort of throughout my career. I've always had that. Um, I believe the game is getting faster and, and um, you need that, that speed and that sort of thing. But speed without stop and without a brain you may as well not have it so the mix is good for me and so I've um you know I've, I've bought a stallion over here called Oracle Hayden Oracle bought him over a couple of years back now he's only a young horse but we've we've started breeding with him and he's he's basically although he doesn't look at he looks like he's a pretty little stock horse <laughs> look at him 
I think he's a little bit too pretty for, for my liking. I yeah, we have Hayden Satellite over here. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. You guys yeah. do have one over yeah. there as well. There's a lovely horse. And um, he's by Marabong Victory, who's seven eighths thoroughbred, out of a really top, top line of, um, of polo mares, out of a mare called Hayden Tourmaline. Her um, full sister plays, plays with Cambiasso. He's, well, if you know polo, he's the best polo player in the world and has been for some time. And he plays a mare called Angel Jewel, who he really rates. So they're, they're full sisters. And, and I saw, so, well, it doesn't always mean that the progeny from a full sister of a top mare is going to produce. But Hayden Tourmaline or Oracle has a full sister that's playing, played in the Argentine Open. It's got a, and a couple of other brothers that are playing top polo cross as well. So, so I've, I've, I've gone with him because he's the, the line is proven and it's polo orientated. And yep. in this country, polo cross is only a small sport. So, you know, there's only so many sort of mares that we'll get from polo cross. So we're looking at the polo industry with him as well. But um, I've been, you know, I know I know a few of the breeders over here in polo, and there, they were there's there's a lot of polo stallions over here, so you know it's quite it's quite a competitive thing to be breeding that those sort of horses. So with Oracle, I'm even going to probably do a little, make him more versatile. I'm going to get him jumping. Mm-hmm. I've got a I've got a four star eventer on the yard who's who I'm going to get riding him and jumping him and and put him over some sticks. And I'll probably do a little bit of dressage with him as well, just to just to give him more scope. And I think that's the beauty of these sort of horses; they have that versatility about them. Yeah, I know that uh, at least at least what I've seen in the polo game, field polo, the horses have gotten bigger, or taller, and leggier. And um, I, and I don't know if that's the same over there, but uh, there has been sort of a trend. Yeah, I think I think again, it's just horses are getting they're getting faster, so they're becoming. The the thing is, you know, a small horse. If if you get a really good small horse, they're as good as anything in the world. But if if you know, in general, you know, small horses just get a bit uh, battered about. But when you get a good small one, they're just nothing like it, is there? Well, well, I played when I thought I was lucky enough. Penny had a little mare that that she got from Errol Gloin. Errol had quite a big influence in horse flesh over here. It's unfortunate that they're sort of not about as much anymore, but he bred some really good polo cross horses. And I was lucky enough to play Penny's little mare, little mare called Little Miss Muffet over here. And she was 14, one full up with shoes on. She was tiny. And I sort of thought she said she'd be a good girl's horse, but I played her for a couple of years and she was, as you know, I'd be happy to play against anyone on her. She had speed, she was tough. I could, you could be going in another direction off top speed. She was great. And um, so, yeah. And then I've, I've ride 16 hand horses now. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember Miss Moffat. Um, yeah. I definitely remember that name. Top horse. Yeah. Um, well, that's all I have for questions. This has been great. I just, I want people to know how to connect to you because I know you've done all this online stuff. Um, is there anything pull across specific how do they get, to, you know, how do they connect to you, even though they're not in the UK? Well, no, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Um, no, uh, I mean, if if anyone's looking to travel, so um, uh, Beth Hafey, if you're listening, 
I've been trying to, I've been trying to get, it's been funny. I don't know whether it's, whether I'm just getting older, I don't know what's going on, but I'm, you know, I'm still always looking for, for people to travel. So if anyone's interested in, in, you know, getting involved in the international scene at all, just, just the social scene, you know, if, if nothing else, um, they're prepared to work and, uh, you know, get stuck in with a few horses, play a bit of polo cross, then, you know, there's still places in England that, that are looking for that, me included. Um, in terms of the online stuff, uh, I've tried to keep polo cross and my professional sort of horse training stuff separate because it's just, otherwise it's just 24 seven. So polo cross is generally my downtime, even though it is with horses still but I try and keep those two separate. But in saying that, I am looking to, to just put a few patterns together in my program, which we'll probably put out there sort of once we get some dry ground and I can get out on it and actually ride a horse around, I'll, I'll put a few patterns together and we'll, we'll set up a little bundle that we'll put out to, to the polo cross community. And it's, you know, like I say, it's, it's nothing that people probably don't already know, but if you don't, you can see it's not, it's not rocket science. It's just, you know, have you got the right horse? Are you balanced? Good. We'll run some of these patterns and your horse will, will improve. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I like how you simplify it. Uh, it, it can get complicated from a, from my perspective as a non-horse trainer. Um, so yeah, I appreciate the way you explain that. And I do remember um, Joy Poole said this, she was watching the world cup and everyone said the game was getting faster. And she said, the horses aren't going any faster. The horses back in her day, they were, you think about Daryl Smith and his horse, um, they aren't going any faster. It's just, the, it's just a different game. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I watched, uh, not so long ago, I love watching old, old Pocus videos. And I watched some of those old guys in Australia play. And my God, they were fast. You know, there's this big thing about, oh, you know, Australia just stop and turn and nah. Not in the old, you know, the old polycross videos that I watched, there were some big running horses. They were they were fast. And that, but did some of them were so handy as well. Oh, they? yeah, of course. Definitely handy, like unbelievably handy. But, you know, there's this big thing, all that you know, they just gave it to the three and, you know, they just three carried. It just, it's not how it happened. You know, that's just a myth. I, I watched those old videos and those guys are flat stick and, you know, yeah. Well, I'd like to say the umpires didn't keep up with the game or they just let a few more things go than nowadays, but it was just as quick, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah the, the top the top end is the top it's end. different style, that's all. Well, thank you for your time uh, on this Sunday afternoon. I'm glad that you were tied down and you didn't have anything else to do. And thank you, Simon. Yeah, No worries, mate. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, we'll have, you have to talk to Sandra and we'll put a few drinks into Will <laughs> and have a chat with them at some point. That would be great. Yeah, that'd, that'd, be, that'd be worth a catch-up, I'd say. Yeah. All right. Well, stay safe. Take it easy. Good luck. Yeah, cheers, Ryan. And, and big thanks to you for doing these things. It's it's great to just keep things rolling along in the in the Polycross world. Oh, I appreciate it. It's fun. Yeah. Getting to talk job. to people like you. Take it easy, guys. Take it easy. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode. It's clear that Jason represents all of the important elements of Polocross. Tremendous horsemanship international traveling experiences, and the love and family life that follows. Cheers to him for his thoughtful commentary and lighthearted approach to life in polo cross. 
The UK is lucky for him landing there, but I must give Penny the real kudos for attracting him and keeping him there. Here on Chugga Talk, we appreciate your feedback. Have you enjoyed the show? Do you have questions or comments? Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. For a chance to be featured on the show, leave a voicemail by finding the Send Voicemail Sidebar button on PolacrossMadeSimple.com. For more Polacross coaching, go to PolacrossMadeSimple.com. You'll find ebooks on how to become a great player and even on how to become a great coach. Find me on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a good one.